0: And we're live. So, Joy, welcome to Daily Discussions. Before I get started, I'd like to acknowledge the um, traditional landowners on whose land we record, which is the Bunarong people, because my home is not on Wurundjeri, like I usually record at the studio. It's um, on Bunarong, so here in Victoria, and both uh, tribes are part of the Kulin Nation. So, Joy, welcome to uh, Daily Discussions, the live uh, version of it. Um, how are you going today?
1: Yeah, great. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, thanks Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Awesome, awesome. And before we get started, do you want to share, um, you know, where your mob's from and, um, you know, what's your current position at the moment?
1: Yeah, sure. So my mob's from uh, Bidjara Country, which is sort of out central west Queensland, um, basically out yeah. in the in the middle of nowhere. Um, Carnarvon Ranges, Carnarvon Gorge is uh, one of the significant sites for our people, um, so out sort of um, Springshaw springshore way out that way there
0: yep so those um, those names don't really i still don't know where that is so (laughs) you're gonna have to lead me a bit here (laughs) yeah
1: it's about eight hours uh northwest of of brisbane
0: yeah wow so right out there and you said the cultural significance so you know how high are we talking uh, these ranges
1: yeah they're huge um there's there's towering ranges out there that are sort of you know um some of them are a couple of hundred metres above sea level. And, um, yep. yeah, so, and then we've got artwork out there that's, you know, dates back to more than 10,000 years. And, um, yeah, there's there's a lot of historic, a um, lot of history out there. And, yeah, very yeah, special, wow. special place for us.
0: Yep. And are you still, like, finding, I'm, I know some Victorian, I'm sort of digressing here before we get into it, but so interesting. Um, some mobs down here, you've got, you know, large mountains, you know, I won't even say which ones they are, but... There's a lot of artwork that are still being discovered across the ranges, um, and therefore, you know, Aboriginal eyes only. Is that sort of the case out there as well?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of sacred sites. I'm, my my cousin's a ranger out there because um, it's a national park, the Carnarvon National yep. Park. And, um, she was only saying last week that they found another another cultural site. Um, yeah. That again you know, is just picturesque. Uh, the, the mob knew knew where to go and and um, how to how to explore some. Um, you know, knew where to go in terms of that, that picturesque view. So, um, yeah, yeah. she only came in that, that last, last week. So yeah, still, sites still being developed and, 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 um, and,
0: and explored today. Yeah, that's incredible. Now I've got two screens on here so I can always look at what other stuff you've been doing. <laughs> so sure. it's a lot easier. Um, usually I just talk and I, I take notes, but having the technology, it makes it uh, so much more convenient. Um, Your previous uh, work with IBA, you know, I I first met you uh, at our Futures Forum, um, which I think was a program that you sort of took the lead on and put together. Um, Do you want to explain what a a Futures Forum is and then how does that work with, you know, Indigenous people? Because a lot of these terms and ideas are are very foreign because we practised, you know, these uh, elements in different uh, aspects or different ways, but now we're sort of learning... So it makes sense in a, in a Western context. you want to share what a futures forum is and how that works?
1: Yeah. So the futures forum was a concept that was born out of um, out of an agenda to really engage with the future generation um, in, yep. in, in terms of a business and economic sense. And so yep. what we've done there is we, um, Rhea Stevenson, a former colleague, and, and myself, yep. um Developed this concept that really looked at well, what does the future look like for Indigenous people in this country in the next 50 years? What does that look like in relation to business? And um, yeah, let's get together a deadly bunch of um, of our, our future entrepreneurs and business people um, to really unpack what that what that future looks like in 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 their eyes. So that yeah. was where we got together there on my country. Um, there was around 40 odd that we that we got and um, yeah we we traced back into into our past and yep. our past history and um, work towards a, a future vision statement as to yep. what what business looks like um, in, in 50 years time and yeah there's some powerful stuff and yeah it was great to to meet you there and um, and and have the caliber of yourself and and all the other people in the room I think it was a fairly powerful experience that we all took away
0: yeah I think for um, for me it was uh... You know, a lot of the time I'm, you know, I'm, you know, coming on to 30 now. And so being a younger entrepreneur and seeing other young entrepreneurs, probably in a room full of other indigenous leaders. I was probably like pretty intimidated. I was like, oh man, these, all these fellas' ideas are deadly. Like <laughs> I should have thought of that. So, um, but then I learned, like you guys were sharing, and the facilitator, um, Tristan, was sharing that um, a lot of people, like early in the States, would have these expos and forums where they would pretty much plan how cities, and how things would be divided and built, you know. And then from there, that people have got the knowledge and the know-how where to position themselves to to get work or where to position themselves to, you know, start a business or build, you know, equity. Um, And as First Nations people, we never really saw the reason to build up and build high things. We were living off the land sustainably, living with each other, trading with each other, trading with Malays in Indonesia that went through to China. And um, So, yeah, it was a concept that we sort of bring best of both worlds and I uh, really uh, yeah, applaud you for that. So, And now you're CEO. Of-
1: yeah, yeah, that's right, CEO, CEO. of... Um- well, well,
0: we'll get back to that. Let's go right back to the start. Cue the sound that does a little time warp, but um, let's take it back to um, growing up. Where did you uh, grow up? Did you grow up in country or off country or...?
1: No, off country. So I grew up in uh, up in Mackay, sort of north yep. Queensland, central Queensland, depending on what border you look at. Um, and and so yeah, I grew up up there. And and a lot of my all of my family are in Rockhampton. Um, yep. they, so basically, how it how it worked out, and as it does in as it did in those days, was that my grandfather was a stockman, um, escaped the mission life, and escaped. In many ways, living under the Act and um, and that yep. sort of thing, and and went from station to station and property to property, doing um, yeah the stockman type work, fencing um, horses, and t- has some incredible stories about driving in um, horses and, and sheep and whatnot. And so eventually moved from station to station. He was born on country there, um, out of, out on Bidgera country, and then ended up yep. in a place called Ogmore, um, which is just north wow. of, of Rockhampton, and yeah. Um, yeah, as it was there, the policy was you know the white Australia policy came in and um, fair work and equal pay came in, and so obviously the 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 property he was working on um, couldn't afford to pay the, the wage, um, couldn't afford yeah, that expense of wow. the business, so they got booted out. And the closest town was Rockhampton, and and yeah, the mob is still there. So I grew up just north of there, but yep. always always going back and forth to Rockhampton. Um, big family as as we are. Um, my great grandfather passed away at 106 years old on on bidra country and wow. um had 300 more than 300 grandchildren and great-grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren yeah, so wow and yeah my grandfather's up to up to 200 so um yeah <laughs> and um i'm letting the team down i only having two kids so um, yeah
0: <laughs> but no so um, i grew up there yeah that's fantastic um you know my on my berry side my nana's side the smallwood side um, yeah, great grandfathers were also uh, stockmen as well um, up around, yeah, Charters Towers, Townsville, uh, Mackay. So they probably would have crossed paths yeah, at some I stage. Doubt. And yeah, White Australia Policy uh, took my great, great, great grandmother away from her uh, Scottish husband um, and they were separated by law. Children were sent to a mission, um, So they were half-caste act um, and my, yeah, great, great, great grandmother never saw uh, her husband again and it was a, yeah, very sad time. And, um, you know, there's parts of my history I'd love to find out more about the Scottish side. That would explain why I like eating Scotch fingers and um, heavy, you know, heavy uh, Scottish <laughs> foods. Um, and so, you know, finding out that piece of the, the puzzle is um, yeah, you you miss out on those things, but um, you know, we move on as a people. And like you said uh, looks like your family's up to nearly 200 clan members. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've only got the two children as well. So I'm letting down the family. I need to have more children or um, on our, <laughs> our heart is to adopt. You know, we want to uh, really adopt. Uh, my parents did kinship care uh, programs. You know, my nan lived with us until she passed on. So it's uh, very common to, you know, have that open house, which I'd love to do. So so you grew up uh, rocky. Yeah. Um, no comment against rocky i grew up in Hug bay mearborough not far from there uh, well sort of far in in queensland not queensland terms it's not that far but in victoria that'd be like well oh, that's miles away you know um, yeah, yeah. so uh, school rocky then um, did what every good country queenslander did go to brisbane for university or
1: yeah that's right i um, in a similar similar instance i grew up in a in a te- in a household of um, you know three bedrooms and you know at any yeah. given time we had ten people in that yeah. bedroom. So I moved to <laughs> Brisbane um, you know straight after school and um, and to study architecture of all things actually. And it was to um Yeah wow. The intent there was to, you know, you look at, at the public housing system and 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 housing and housing in general um and, and look yep. at whether they're fit for purpose for, for mob. Yeah. Um, and, yep. and it's obviously clearly the answer was no. And so I, I went there with an inspiration to really yeah. Um, you know, changed the way in which um, architectural design of housing was to be more fit for purpose for fellows and even yeah, you know, e- even that concept of, um, of of design and and um, you know, taking um, you know someone's someone's values and someone where they want to be and and incorporating that into the design of the the environment and the other factors that sit around it is very much in line with um, yeah, you know, what we did as people as well. So i i did three years of that um nearly three and a half actually i, I wasn't wasn't far off finishing um yeah and then had some personal experience I, I suppose and and um and after three years sort of sort of went look i'm not gonna have a change in direction yeah. um and and enrolled into a bachelor of criminology so and then i completed yeah, that, wow.
0: that yeah
1: and yeah full done a full u-turn and completed yeah. that and um and then yeah i started started my working life in terms of um working in the, in the criminal justice system and, and looking to, yep. you know, address the, the really gross figures that, that, that are, you know, um, the overrepresentation rates of, of our mob in the criminal justice system. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, well, I could unpack that can of worms, but I think I'll <laughs> um, push on. So you found yourself criminal justice system and then, uh, you know, when I met you at the IBA, Indigenous Business Australia, um, you know what was the steps that sort of led you to you know working at IBA where you sort of going well some of the solutions we do in the criminal justice system are just band aid solutions and they just people just rotate through and it's the same cycle and then maybe you saw an IBA a way to bring you know economic opportunity which would enrich that person's life and then bring them out of that low socio demographic or what was sort of the reasoning that you know you sort of ended up at uh, IBA.
1: Um, so yeah, when in the youth justice days, I, I worked a lot in um, in the youth detention centre um, yeah. in, in Brisbane, and you know that that it still to this day um, strikes me in terms of, um, and it stayed with me for it'll stay with me forever. But um, just sort of yeah. seeing that end, that pointy end of the system, and and having seeing the you know what can happen when someone's liberty and freedom is taken away from them and seeing what 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 affects couple on from that as well so i spent a long time in there and then and then a a little bit of time in in high level policy working with the you know the the ministers and um and that sort of thing in a policy role and um what i used to do in in those days as well is uh, as a bit of a therapeutic thing is also um artwork and and um anyway just sort of it used to be, as you can imagine, it's quite a challenging environment in, in that space. So, yeah, um, my my outlet was was artwork and and expressing, you know, not only some at many times the frustration of, of the systematic sort of stuff that happens there, but also yeah. reconnecting with, um, you know, cultural st- songlines and stories. And and so yeah. that took that took off uh, more than what I would have liked actually. And um, yeah, to, to the point where my artwork was almost a well, it was a full time job. And so, yeah. um I was, you know, commissioning large pieces of artwork and, and running my own business then. And then that's when, yeah. when I first went to to RBA, I was the the team leader for the business um, solutions program. Um, yeah. So that was looking after all business inquiries from um, pretty much from the t- tip of Australia right down to um, to the bottom of, of Tasmania. Yeah, so well, your some companies.
0: incredible uh, things. Sort of, was sort of like Shark Tank, sort of like yeah, business. yeah. You Know shark den or shark something, you know, crocodile den, crocodile den, yeah. There and the mob come in and pitch the ideas, and
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, we, yeah, we worked with all you know, uh, business customers all, all across the east coast of all different industry sectors and and you know, yeah. played that role in supporting businesses, supporting mob into business, but also the, the finance, providing access to finance as well. And so, yeah, okay. um, and then, yeah, transitioned across to, um, to to that that role now, that senior manager of um, industry engagement, I believe the thing was called. And and the whole and again, the whole rationale of that was again, you know, looking at at what it's like um yeah. from one end of the scale of, of having no liberty and having no freedom and no freedom of choice and, and that being yeah. just such a prevalent uh, factor in our in our history as indigenous people. And then looking at yeah. economic development and economic opportunity and, and how you know, and ultimately it is about it's about you know it's a it's a commonly uh, phrased uh, thing that gets thrown around but self-determination and and for me that means um, you know having the choice um, the choice of your own choice and, and your own freedom in your own hands and yep. um, you know and and that's you know even to where I am now in the community control space that's real true self-determination yeah, um, yeah. yeah. you know that, that community control model is something that in fact, needs to be replicated throughout the whole um, indigenous space, including things like IBA um, and and yep. other few bodies. But the community control yep. space is something that's really, um, yeah, really front of mind for me at the moment as well. Yeah,
0: I think that's something that's really um, prevalent down here in Victoria. Is we're sort of exploring well, what is self determination? You know, if you know, and like you said, it's the op- it's the ability to make choices. And when you come into choices, the reasoning behind what a, a choice is made or how a decision is made, there are many factors as an Indigenous person. But for a previous generation, like our parents and grandparents, the choice was um, I need to do something to put food on the table. Mm. And then that, that was just the only option they had. That's why my grandfather cut cane and built rail, railroads, you know, for rations. And then my uncles were, were on the railroads as well, cane cutting. Um, that was quite normal. Labor hire, just anything to get pay the bills, and they would play footy on the side as supplement income. So yeah. when my mum was brought, she as well had two two streams of testing when it came to going into uni. There was like the white person testing, and then there was the Indigenous Aboriginal persons testing. And she um, tested across both and scored really high. And because um, they read her surname wrong, which is Makin, they thought it was McCann. So they thought, oh, this is a Scottish lady And on paper. And then she walked in and she's full blood. (laughs) Full blood (laughs) Murray walks in um, with the long ringlets. And so they're like, oh, whoops. And then they were like, oh, no, sit down. Your score's really high. And she had the opportunity to go to university. And then that's what got her a great position in Queensland Health. And then my father, who's uh, a or white Australian, he uh, did the majority of, of raising us. And, um, but yeah, that was the opportunity that was given to Mum by chance, you know, by chance. But uh, like you said, self-determination, mob don't have a choice or mob have an idea of wanting to start something, but they just don't have the practical outline. And it's not like we come from a long lineage of, you know, uh, Jewish or Greek community where we can just ask uncle, or ask granddad who have a business they can help yeah. us those things don't exist so we have our we have to create our own reference points and the big wave of indigenous businesses from the IPP are quite literally our first generation because you know what's coming through as the value proposition is we're addressing a social issue um, and we're building equity for our you know ourselves and, and generations so yeah, I'm super excited so IBA and then you've gone now into media your media mogul is this because Alan Jones stood down um, a couple of days ago because he, he heard about you coming into um, Brisbane Media Indigenous Association or what's going on there? Was that the reason? <laughs> Not the reason, but
1: it is, it is an exciting time for media in general that Alan Jones has stood down. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, his agenda and, and the stuff he says is um, precisely why places like Brisbane Indigenous Media Association exist because... Um, yeah. know we provide a platform and a a, a series of platforms to be able to tell our stories on our own way because mainstream media just um they've got their stories they've got their agenda and um and our our perspectives and our voices aren't um aren't even included let alone embedded in there so yeah so here at beamer and um and yeah absolutely loving it i'm sort of only three four months into it and um you know walk into it during a global pandemic welcome to welcome to bema <laughs> and welcome to media but
0: um the new world <laughs> yeah
1: but no, it's great and you know it's a it's a great organization with a great history you know we were sort of built out of um you know we're 20, 20 celebrated our 27th birthday um, yeah, wow. and um yeah. and for 27 years for a community-controlled media organization is just a, a feat within itself but um yeah you know born out of the resistance of the the old days of the protests and the eighty eight Commonwealth yep. Games protest and so a really you know with Ooh, that, yes. that same yep. idea in mind, you know, saying yep. you know, how do we how do we share our stories and our views and our perspectives and our voice on our terms and what yep. platform can we use to do that? Yep. And so and why it. is it
0: so you know why is it so important? You know, we've got NITV as a more mainstream one. Um ABC have certain uh, programs on there. And all that money comes from the federal and commonwealth government to fund so what is the importance of having you know an indigenous owned controlled and produced content to indigenous people you know what's the massive difference because a lot of our mob we not we don't really understand we, we understand story time and we're great storytellers and our oral traditions very strong but when we need to understand when people are telling a, a you know a narrative what that means, because for us Indigenous people, we've never really been fast and, you know, being aggressive and protesting. It's not so much our nature, but we've had to stand up and fight because, you know, we sort of, you know, let, um, you know, Waifala come in, there was sort of this mutual trust and that was betrayed, you know, where other First Nations, the the Maori, they just went to war, you know, (laughs) they were used to fighting, where we're sort of learning about, well, how do we, you know, why is it so important that we have Indigenous-made, produced content for Indigenous people, if you want to share
1: yeah, sure. I mean, you know, the Indigenous media, uh, you know, landscape, I suppose, is like you say, like the NITV is such an important part of, yeah. um, you know, a whole range of different media aspects um, and same as ABC and others. The, the difference yeah. is that they're restricted to some degree on, you know, legislation yeah. again. So we're, we're community controlled and um, we, which then allows us the ability, not only allows us the ability, it's, it's within our our mandate to um talk about the hard-hitting political issues um yeah yeah talk, talk about stories on our terms without having the you know being hamstrung to to government agendas or, government funding yeah. or you know or that that colonial mindset of control you know and that's yep, why i say yep. um we play such an important role um, and that was you know Always, you know, I remember we've got footage right back you know, 27 years ago. Um, yeah. With Ross, Ross Watson, one of our um, Uncle Ross Watson, one of our founders, um, yeah. talking about media, indigenous media being an essential service, just as it is health and just as it is yeah, other 100%. things. Um, yeah. Yeah. So,
0: you
1: know, that's that's the importance of not being hamstrung to any sort of agenda or any sort of legislation other than obviously brought. You know, we we sit under different. Yeah never free of legislation, but in terms of, um, you know, those mandated agendas, we, yeah. we, we we say it how it is from our, our perspective and, and that's, that's the importance, I think. Yeah,
0: 100%. I think, you know, what you're saying is there's great power and there's also responsibility and, you know, putting out that content. Um, but like you said, when we're having true self-determination and there's a reason to get out of bed in the morning, yeah. Because we're telling ourselves the truth of how it is. You know, for a while there, it's like, well, I want to tell the truth. And, I, and I've and i been like, people have said to me, the way you've talked and shared is like, you're about to start, you know, um, a revolution and like get AK-47s. I was like, no, 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 that's not what it's about. But if you want to have people to empower themselves, we need to know the truth. And that truth needs to be sent out to the mob. So we know where we stand. Because a lot of us still some are saying let's have a treaty conversation some are saying our native title that's all good you know some have just literally just gone over on the back island islands and just started their own you know sovereignty it with or without the the approval of in government or whatever so it's like well how do we bring everyone together so we say this is where we stand as a people and this is where we need to go and i think that's the true power and you know growing up you know having you know mum take us to go eat dugong and sea cow on the beach at a tinfoil and then the next week i'm eating liver and gravy and mashed potato at grandma's it was two different worlds so we see things completely different from how mainstream australian culture sees things so um benny gertz just sent a question so we'll get to benny's question um at the end um sure. so that's your story now that's awesome bro keep up the great work um you know in brisbane there i know brisbane uh, Who's whose country is brisbane uh, Yagura, I should know, that's on my border. I should know. <laughs> yeah.
1: So you got Yagara Tourable there and in the, in the Brisbane River or yep. Mewa, Um maywa is the, the name of the river um, yep. and Miangin is the traditional name of, of Brisbane. So, um, yep. And then Jagara is also west, which is where I'm, I'm sitting at the moment and also links into, yep. you know, west end actually, where, where our yep. uh, Beamer's office is. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, awesome. And my, you know, my family, Cubby Cubby, so Pine River, north of Brisbane, um, up to, um, well, disputed up to Pine River, Bundaberg with the butchelor. I'll let my uncle handle that one. <laughs> yeah um, And then we got our neighbours, uh, Waka Waka as well. So, yeah, very close um in that vicinity there. um all right, Before we get to the questions at the end, which we've got one from Benny, which Benny's a legend, um where will you be or where, where do you see the Indigenous media over the next 10 years? You know, what's going to really you know drive us so that you know a media is not just a local you know mob listen to a community radio and go yeah yeah and we come down to the thing but it's like going all the way across the country you know people in you know um Kalgoorlie people in Alice Springs can can listen to a media and a narrative and a story that's bringing us all closer together that's produced by us and paid by us you know how do you see that all playing out
1: yeah I mean it's with with media and, and as an even as an organization with BMLE, we, we've adapted with the times and, and with the digital age. I mean, yeah, a large proportion of our we're now on, you know, um, on, we broadcast through 989 FM through the NERS network, the National Indigenous Radio Service, which yeah, gets brought yeah. in the, you know, 160 communities around the country. So, yeah, well, so that's that and that's through the digital the digital FM. So that yep. as we as we start to um you know, evolve with with the times. Our platforms and our voice will only only get stronger. And so, you know, yeah. we're we're now even things like this with podcasting. We've um, yeah, we've transitioned now into into podcasting and on track yeah. for half half a million downloads this year, which is great. So Woo, that's um, good. And yeah. also evolving into multimedia. I mean, Blackfellas have always, you know, radio will forever be an important yeah. platform for us to be talking with but now we've got yeah. being the vision at you know video production yeah uh, you know we've got um, other 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 multimedia forms so yeah um you know even as an organization we're on tiktok now so we're you know so there's all these <laughs> all these different platforms that we're just evolving with the time and again not losing our uh our core value in terms of storytelling and, and the ways in which yeah. we tell stories, but just using multimedia platforms to tell those stories yeah. and to be honest, and i keep harping on it, but the community controlled uh, model is the way for us moving forward. I mean, personally, I'm yeah. held to account by the members of my community and if I'm not performing, yeah. They let me yeah. know and they let me know real quick. Um, or if, yeah. I'm, if I'm not moving off track, they let me yeah. know and they let me know real quick. Whereas some of these other, you know, statutory bodies or other people in indigenous affairs, yeah, um, there isn't that yeah. level of accountability that needs to be, and so the future. Yeah. We've seen it in the health sector about people prosper and thrive, particularly, you know, during this COVID period. You know, the mob up in in Yarrabah, which I've done a lot of work with, have developed very early before any government intervention developed pandemic task forces and all these operating under the management zones and all these sort of things. So the community control will be a model for the Indigenous Affairs base moving forward and that's what I'm really passionate about and and in a media sense we'll we'll just evolve at the time. Yeah, I I
0: love how you said accountable to your community because I think that's, you know, getting a clip from auntie behind the ear, you know, because you're not pulling in line, but that's what makes it really real um, for me and authentic, you know, sharing this and the stuff I've done with the business as well. It's um, I'm accountable to my community, you know, Um, as much as I am to shareholders and as much as I am with stakeholders, you know, we we all have mutual benefits. Um, And it's really painted to me that culture will actually come over that cash or that gain. And it's helped me stay true to what is success as a First Nations person. And I think we're creating those, like media is so important, like you're doing, to create healthy stereotypes because when I watch at other mainstream ones, it's sort of like um, Indigenous people, cultures, we swear a lot, we drink a lot you know, we call everyone, you know, S-L-U-T, you know, and there's sort of this culture and it's like, yeah, we had a bit of that in our culture, but I grew up with my uncles working very hard, playing sport on the weekends to support the family, always having family over big barbecues, you know, family going and get educated in Brisbane, you know, some family went overseas and played sport, you know, and that was like, that was my upbringing, you know, culture, we had faith, had so many different elements. So it's like, well, how do we capture the rest of what our culture is about, you know, or the very strong spiritualism that's in our culture, you know, which determines, you know, where we live, what we eat, what we do, how we think, you know, and different things like that. So that's exciting, bro. Well, let's get um, into the question. I like to say it's actually questions from Ben because I know Ben and he's written three questions in one paragraph. So (laughs) (laughs) good work, Benny. Um, So Benny says, um, live in Townsville, Paul darling and I and I want to be a black businessman like you one day. Um, and this is to you, John. Um, I want to know what motivates you to do the things you do, what keeps you going, so too, and how do you stay so deadly all the time?
1: Yeah, right. Um, um, see business for me and and the whole notion of business is obviously it's not a new concept for us as black fellas, but it's also um, there's many different forms of it. I mean, Ben is his own businessman in, in many ways. He, yep. he uses that. It's that mentality um, of providing value to someone, and it doesn't necessarily have to be via your own ABN. Um, yeah, you can such do a it in, in your own workplace. So um, yep. that's that's the first thing I think. Just reframing how we how we think of business, um, and that we've you know it's not a new concept for us as
0: we know. Yep. But um, what was the second question? And he said, um, what motivates you to do the things you do? And I'd like to just digress so people understand who are watching and will be listening, is one of the hardest things in our community is, yeah, we're accountable to community, but we also have lateral violence and jealousy from other mob. Um, We also have family that are pulling us and wanting us to come home to country. And we have other elements that really impact, um, you know, our motivation, because you know when you're down here like my example I'm down here cold cold melbourne I've been locked in my house for 4 days I'd rather be isolated in maroochydore <laughs> on country or alex heads but here I am and so you're thinking well you know maybe it's you know time to go home or how do you you know keep going and say no this is for benefit of our people you know
1: yeah i think what drives me is you know is is that it's the it's, it is the the cultural intelligence that sits within the sophisticated nature of our culture, like it's just—it's embedded in in, in sixty thousand years of history, and so that that is just as relevant today as as it has ever been in history. So, yeah, that's what motivates me about um, utilizing the really and not not appropriate not appropriating. Um, there's there's got to be a distinct difference here, but utilizing cultural knowledge to make the world a better place. I mean, yeah. it's no, it's no accident, it's no coincidence that we've lasted this this long on this on this planet. And you know, even during this pandemic time now, yeah. there's you know, we 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 tend to to go back to um, many many ways, Blackfellow ways of knowing and thinking during these times. Yeah. And um, yeah. and and anyway, so that that's what really motivates me, and it's about. The fight yeah. that people have had, um, you know, our ancestors have had beforehand to, to, to instil that right back to the mission days when they were fighting to yeah. keep their language, fighting to keep their culture. We're, we're fighting in different ways now and we're, yeah. there's advocacy in different ways now um, that we're all doing it. So I'm, I'm aiming to bring that both of those things together and that's what drives me, that the cultural intelligence and cultural knowledge um, that's embedded within our ways but also, um, you know, doing our you know we we talked about it before i think integrity and accountability are the two um most most critical values that we can have as a um yeah as a people and and being um accountable to not only the people that still exist now but our ancestors to make sure that the fight and the struggle they went through they can sit back and go you know uh, are yep. What we're doing today worth it, and is this? Um, yep. I, I would want a good enough job, so yeah. Like
0: me. Um, I love my history and reading, you know, on our $50 note, David Unipin, you know, indigenous inventor, mm. and then um, William Cooper, who protested the Holocaust, uh, the German embassy during World War Two. And I read their stories and I'll go, man, these old, you know, uncles and our ancestors, and you know, the Yorta, Yorta in here was uh, Nurinji, South Australia, yep. was um. Um, they had a job, they protested, you know, peacefully and wrote it through, you know, how he says, pen is mightier than the sword. They had families, um, they had faith, they had culture and they did all those things and under the strict, like, persecution from the white follower and they didn't even have the right to vote and our ancestors are going to World War II dying without even acknowledgement. I'm like, wow, I actually, I have it easier, <laughs> you know, and I have to be accountable for their sacrifice that they yeah. made so that I can stand here today as, a, yeah. you know, as a cast, be titled, or as, you know, a Cubby Cubby Burry Man, you know, white father as well, European father, and be, um, you know, accountable to make it better for all of us here, you know, living um, on Australia. So, now it's so good, brother. I think what you're doing is um, amazing and uh, it's going to really, I think paved the way for what's what's indigenous media and what's the message that we'll be saying to each other you know when it comes to health and and we have it you like you said we have it we had that the experience that my parents when this crisis happened and th- different things and, and the money and the family income dropped mom was like oh, i'll just go back to devon sandwiches you know <laughs> so it's like that. yeah so it's a bit of sauce this time you know a bit of chutney just spice it up but it's like it's there, you know. We've been we've had that ability to adapt when the times change, you know, when the seasons change, you know. And so, um, yeah, I'm super encouraged. I think for us as people, we're going to be learning now. Okay, everything's quite. Um, it's not as certain. Everything can be quite temporary. So um, oh, here we go, Uncle Matthew, yep. my my uncle. Another question. Here we go. What is one of the biggest roadblocks roadblocks to your careers that you found?
1: yeah all
0: right
1: um it's mm, how do i put this it it is it's and it's why the community control stuff so important the the biggest roadblock is this colonial mindset of control of one having you know people having control over over blackfellas and and all that sort of thing and so with, with that mindset becomes a whole range of different barriers you know you get your um, your chief protective mentalities, you get your saviour mentalities about people wanting to save black blackfellas, and it's just like, like Uncle Bruce Pascoe would say, he goes, "Open the door and get out of the road," um, and that's that's what what's what's been the biggest barrier. It's about playing the long game, being patient, um, and we are patient people. We've, you know, we have spent a long time. <laughs> Maybe patient too patient but it's, it's that mindset that's been the biggest barrier it's the bit it's actually that mindset's the biggest barrier to the advancement of indigenous people generally i think if yeah. more and it's why it's so important we need to again not only the community control model but just being the ability yeah. to tell our stories and 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 operate the way we want to operate on our terms um you know when that happens um yeah the sea the, the parts and we and we are able to just do what we need to do so that and yeah. having so the biggest barrier is that but also having the patience to um, work with people that are well intended and um, and that sort of thing and, and playing that education role as well and, and informing and educating um, yeah. along the way but you know I think we're, we're getting there um, we're getting yeah. there in terms of representation in organizations we're getting there um, yeah. in terms of educating non-indigenous people um, yeah yeah we're getting there.
0: Yeah, I think the colonial mindset um, unfortunately has, you know, impacted some of our, our own communities and and a lot of our older ones um, have been hurt, really hard done by. So when they become in a position of like um, a, a responsibility and in charge of funds, there can be a mentality of like, well, I deserve this, you know, I've been ripped yeah. off and I deserve this. And so I find the hardest thing is working with my own people who, have got this sort of mentality of like, you know, where, where's mine, what's due, you know, which is which is fair because that is due, what has been taken from us. And it can be really tough because as I try to go forward in the right manner, you've got other opportunities where I could make a lot of money and sell my culture and, and sell myself or whatever um, or I could, you know, you know, work hard and push it and and keep pushing for my own people, you know, against the grain sometimes for a lot less, you know, income or rumination. And that was, I think that was one of the hardest things for me is because like, you struggle for so long, and you choose to do this for your mob. And then sometimes your own mob can be, you know, the ones that get in the way. And you're like, listen, this is to help not me and you, this is to help our kids and grandkids. You know, it's about like you said, it's the long term play. And that's yeah. really hard to do with people who um, have been hurt and ripped off and have so much trauma where, uh, you know, they should they want what's owed to them. Simple as that, you know. Um, you yeah. know, I watched a doc the other day and the guy said, oh, this is a fourth generation vineyard. It's the biggest in Australia. And I was like, yeah, and where did he get it from? <laughs> <laughs> he just found it. Oh, there's a vineyard out here. It's for free, you know. And so it's like how do we get that mentality for our Australian brothers and sisters to share where we're coming from and then for our Indigenous people to say, well, we've got to share it in a way that brings all of us along for the journey, you know, because we're not going to just mass deport people back to England, you know. (laughs) So it's like how do we set ourselves up for the future but also work alongside our, you know, Australian countrymen as well.
1: And it is a mindset thing, I think, in terms of that, you know, and it's about embedding that going away from the, the, the capitalist neoliberal agenda, you know, that currently drives some people and, and and similar to things that we did at the Futures Forum, you know, unpacking well, yeah. what, what is important in terms of values. Uh, you know, value in monetary wise is one value and and it is yeah. important because if we can't put a roof over our head and, and food on our table, then it's an issue. But it's not the only um, important value and I think you know, remind people yeah. of that, and, and we we get you know, as I said, we're getting there. The whole, um, you know, ethical purchasing and the stuff that you know, P- Professor Jeff Martin yeah. there talked about in terms of this the scale on which that is um, growing at a, at an exponential rate, yeah. double
0: digit. Rate. So yeah, you know. I think people really want to know, especially like Aboriginal foods. You know, um, twenty million dollar industry, less than two percent actually Indigenous. You know that's an example of people wanting to buy from a genuine source of culture, thousands of years old culture, and turns out it's not actually indigenous. So there's a whole piece now of people wanting to to verify and follow the dots and follow the money to see where does the actual benefit for people come from, and if it's just so someone can get richer, well, we're not interested, you know. So yeah. Anyway, bro, forty minutes, big session on daily discussions. So. Thanks for coming on. It's been um, lovely to hear from you and, um, yeah, look forward to catching up soon and seeing what uh, what else is doing. And for your website, for the Brisbane Media Association, is it just BM at it what's the website to go to?
1: 989fm.com.au. We, yeah, um, we operate under our, our flagship entity, which is our radio yeah.
0: station. Yeah. Yep, too deadly and mob can listen there. And when I post this, I'll put some links in the description as well. So thanks so much, That's brother. And, uh, thanks for I'll having me. You soon. No worries. Cheers.